0: Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Have another fantastic episode for all of you listeners today as I am joined once again by Cracked Rackets contributor and returning champion here on the GSP, David Gertler, to break down another week of fantastic ATP Challenger Tour action. We had two events this past week, one in Spain, one in Portugal, both on the red clay, and of course, they both produced some fantastic tennis once again. Also, given that it's the end of another month on the ATP Challenger Tour calendar, David and I named our All-Stars for the month of March, much like the NBA All-Star starting five, we named our top five performers of the month, whether it be a breakthrough performer or someone who won multiple titles. I'm sure you all can guess who the captain of this month's All-Star team is, given only one player won two ATP challenger titles during the month. But a fantastic conversation. We also previewed the two challengers happening this week. We talk a little bit at the top. I wanted to hear David's reaction to all of the results we saw in Miami. So that's our the beginning of our conversation, but we always get such great depth in our discussions about the ATP Challenger Tour whenever we have David on the program. So I know all of you Challenger Tour fans and tennis fans in general are going to enjoy today's conversation. Of course, the reason we are able to do them day in, day out here on the Great Shot Podcast because of the support we get from you listeners, from our Patreon family, and then the support we get from our friends at both Turnagrip and FanDuel. You all know the deal by now. Turnagrip, that's synonymous purple purple-hued grip that you see on the bottom of the rackets of so many touring professionals across the globe. There's a reason they don't have to update their logo on the packaging. It's remained the same probably since the company's inception. That's because they've cornered the market. They're the best in the business in hot and humid conditions. Turner Grip's performance is unmatched. If you would like to join the Turner Grip team, contact them at sales at com. I'll call 800-554-3707. Again, sales at com or 800-554-3707. 800-554-3707. You tell them Cracked Rackets sent you. Not only will they throw in a couple of free samples, but they will also uh, be sure to take care of you, treat you like family. Again, sales at UniqueSports.com or 800-554-3707 to join the Cracked Ra- uh, to join the Turner Grip family. Also, for you crossover golf tennis fans, our friends at FanDuel have a fantastic offer for new users only. You go sign up on fanduel.com right now use the promo code fanduel.com slash cracked by the way that's where you should sign up make an initial deposit of at least ten dollars you're able to claim 20 to 1 odds on either dustin johnson rory mcelroy or jordan spieth to make the cut again dj currently the best odds in the field to make the cut at minus 1100 spieth's minus 1000 rory minus 700 you can get them at 20 to 1 odds folks that's plus two uh, plus two thousand odds now the Mac bet is five dollars but five dollars for a hundred dollar return that sounds like a victory to me again you can sign up at fanduel.com cracked make an initial deposit of at least ten dollars and then claim the offer by clicking on the banner on the fanduel homepage. make your master's experience this weekend that much more enjoyable go to fanduel.com slash cracked usual conditions apply uh but with that in mind let's get to my conversation with David Gertler discussing the past week of ATP challenger events and our all-stars on the ATP challenger tour for the month of March. Joining us on the podcast once again today, you know him as a writer on our website, CrackRackets.com. As a writer for last word on tennis, you may know his blog, the All About Tennis blog. I know him as at blogger one on Twitter or better known as David Gertler. David, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Good. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Ah, uh, you continue to thank me each and every episode. The alternative <laughs> is for me to just talk for forty minutes by myself, like I do far too frequently. And we now have a group chat on Twitter of myself, you, Eric Johansson, uh, Alex Baroque, a couple of the Damien Cust- a couple of the <laughs> notable people on Twitter. And in that group chat, it was indicated to me that that's a weird thing to do to just talk into a microphone for forty minutes, Han Solo. No. <laughs> no. I agree. I'm like it's therapeutic. Well, first off,
1: I am not a notable person on Twitter. But second <laughs> off, second off, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's weird at all. I think you know what it's you know passionate you want people to be passionate about tennis and if you're passionate about it who cares that there's someone else with you
0: that's a thousand percent my mentality as well a i'm going to be talking about it anyways it'll either be at the wall it'll either be at my roommates who don't want to hear it at my family who have heard it for far too long or into a microphone (laughs) ideally to some people who may be interested but yeah you know i when i say notable i mean in our circles david you're notable in our circles um but of Of course, again, that's a fun group chat, and we're hoping to do some fun things with that group of people moving forward. So that's what we in the business call a tease. But of course, it was another fantastic week of Challenger Tennis. Yes, we were focused on the Miami Open on the mini break podcast, but we had two Challenger events this past week, one in Portugal, the other in Spain, two phenomenal events that of course led to some fantastic tennis. We want to recap those events, preview the two Challengers we have on hand for us this week. And then of course, given it was the end of March a few days ago, we want to name our March All-Stars on the ATP Challenger tour. Of course, there's a corresponding article from David, which I highly recommend all of you go and read even after listening to this podcast on our website, crackrackets.com. But before we get into the challenger action, I always just like to check in, David, and hear what you're thinking about the mainstream events. Because I know you're a challenger guy. I know, you know, if someone else is talking about it if someone else has heard of the player you don't want to tweet about them anymore oh. <laughs> but just you know in general when we chatted last week it was quarterfinal round ish uh since then ashley barty emerges as champion hoopy mm-hmm. hercots emerges as champion curious if you have any miami thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners
1: miami thoughts um well first uh, congrats to uh Herkaz and barty i mean they both you know Barty was on the brink against Kukova in in the first in her first match it's just amazing again we talked about it with Stricker last week how he was almost lost to Van Riethoven. you know and then we wouldn't have been talking about him if Barty lost to Kukova in the first match we wouldn't have been talking about her um so it's just amazing how tennis works that way uh, with her cas he played well um i was definitely I was su- definitely surprised to see him win. Um, I think that, per- I mean, he beat Rublev. I think probably Rublev was, he said, he said as much he was feeling the pressure. Uh, and I'm sure in center, you know, when he started for the first set, he was clearly feeling the pressure, uh, broken the love. Uh, but you heard has hell his nerve, well, do I think it's going to, this is like some huge event that's going to, I mean, it obviously it's a huge event, but do I think this is going to like catapult him to like contending for majors? No, but it was a good win. Um, and I, th- I think center in the future is going to be better. Uh, I loved how he came back against RBA. Uh, I thought that the match against Bublik was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm excited to see how he, I think he's even, I, you know, I'm excited to see him on the clay too. Um, I think, to great on the clay,
0: um, so yeah.
1: That and then with the women, Andreescu is.
0: So c- quickly, I want to pause you on the men's side because a couple of things you said there, I would love to respond to. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it just on the Hercats piece. I think there's two models for tennis players that are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six or over, uh, you know, mm-hmm. traditionally. There's the Tomas Burdich model, which is you're a little bit rigid, you're a little bit stiff, but oh my God, can you slam the ball from the baseline? Can you set things up with your big first serve? And then, you know, again, in terms of point construction, you're just, for 6'6", six six, you're a damn good tennis player now. There's also the fluid model of the Marin Cilic 6'6"-style six six athlete, right? Which is, right. you're still 6'6", six six, and every so often you like to remind your opponents by blasting a ball by them down the line, by cranking out that 115 mile per hour kick serve or 117 mile per hour slice out wide that only someone six foot six can hit. I uh-huh. think Hubi's definitely more of the Chilich model, and what makes me so excited about him. Is that he also has the net component? That he is so comfortable moving yes. forward that he does have such a loose hand, you know, or I said, loose but hands in a good way, in that he can do a bunch of different things up there.
1: Yeah. So, if, what I would say though is that Chilich, when he won the U.S. Open, he was a very aggressive in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when H- Hubie was at his best it was not this tournament; it was at the ATP Cup uh, last last year. I would agree. Uh, he was very aggressive in that tournament. Um, he took it to his opponents. I, I believe he'd be definitely, you know, controlled aggression like at, at the near peak level. It was really impressive, and I think you know this week he was a little more defensive. And I honestly think that he would be better off with the ATP Cup model versus the model he showed in this tournament, even though we just won it.
0: No, it, that's my. It, it's, it what makes me so excited would be the slight counters that he can do both. And that, to me, is what is so interesting about him moving forward because you look at his game, you look at his physical profile, David, it's a a game that translates across surfaces. Like, he's going to have success on clay. He's definitely going to have success on grass. And, you know... I've said this before on these podcasts, but I'll just float it by you before we get to the women. I like to break it all down in tiers. My top tier right now of the next-gen guys, which is 1996 or later. That tier is now up to six players who I will be shocked. If through the next decade of ATP tennis they don't capture at least one grand slam, you know, Yannick Sinner has Ooh. catapulted himself into that group. My six guys, it's you know, Medvedev, Zverev and now Sinner at the tippy tippy top. CT Paz is right up there with them. Rublev and I still throw FAA in that group as well because it was it was so fun for me. Well, you know, Sinner was so young, right? He makes the semifinal. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's the youngest semifinal since. Checks notes, checks notes. Felix Ogier, all you I, see him in 2019, and that's my big fuck you to all the FAA haters it's just them Yeah, to see that stat,
1: I, I actually have a bigger problem with you putting FAA in there than center. I think center's a much better prospect, personally. Well, uh, that's just me.
0: Yeah, we don't have to get into that right now. I would just... <laughs> they're both in the tier of the rocket ship group, which is, it sounds like a rocket ship's <laughs> taking off whenever they hit the ball. But my point is, to get back to her cats, that's tier one. Tier two mm-hmm. for me is are guys like Shapovalov and Korda. And honestly, it's a two-member tier two, where I'm not quite sure if they've got all of the pieces to be like a locked Grand Slam champion, but you watch their power tennis, you watch them at their best, and you think to yourself, oh, that best can beat even all of the guys in that top tier yeah. if it's its very best. I would put Hercats in tier three with the Hachinovs, the Choriches, the Demon Hours of the world, where I'm just like, this guy's going to be a top 20 guy. Like this guy is going to be in the mix forever, yeah. and when things break right, like they did in Miami, he can end up in the winner's circle at a high level event. He's yeah. never your prohibitive favorite, but he's always going to be in the mix. That's the tier for me.
1: Uh, yeah, I, w- I, w- I, might push back on saying always going to be in the mix. He's, you know, just because he he did struggle a lot last. Yeah, he plays I to the level
0: of his opponent every time. Yeah,
1: um, but you know what, I, I can get behind
0: that. I'll, I'll take it. I appreciate that. Well, then I cut you off. You have
1: that quarter, though. Uh, uh, you mentioned Corda. He just what a great week he had.
0: He for the first time ever. I'm not sure if Riley Opelka is the best bet in American men's tennis moving forward. Like I'm, I am yeah. I think it's Corda now. And I don't say that lightly because I, I've. I've I've said this on the podcast as well, but I I would echo your sentiments very very much. Sebastian Corda was spectacular uh, this week. Quickly on the women's side, you started talking Andrescu Barty. Yeah. Your thoughts?
1: It's such a shame about what happened in the final, but what a you know it's amazing with how little how, how little she plays, what what a high level she plays at, mm-hmm. the variety she shows the the grit the toughness that i mean that match we we kind of it was going on during our last podcast against the cerebus tormo that was ju- that just had everything in it um it was you know so good for her for i you know she's a star like she it's like that's i think she's exactly what tennis needs um is a player with a personality even though you know she can sometimes be a little dramatic at times uh she, she has a personality she has a fun game She's a fighter. It,
0: joy to watch her. Yeah, I, I would echo all of that. The power, the movement. Yeah. It's going to – her willingness to move forward, her willingness to play slice and short angles. Mm-hmm. The contrast between her, Osaka, Kenan, Sabalenka, who are all relatively similar in age. Oh. Yeah. I, and I, I'm sorry to throw Sabalenka in that group. You know <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, I know
1: you're – again. Yeah,
0: I'm just like it, it's phenomenal. It's 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 incredible. Sriantech, Tech, you can throw her in the mix, she's yeah. a Grand Slam champion. I mean, Anisa Mova with her power tennis, we saw that. Coco Goff, I I mean, do you want me to do a Kostyuk joke rant? Do you want me to do Clara <laughs> Tossin? I could do 3 minutes on Whitney Osigway if need be. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy right now. Uh the women's game, there there's just so much talent from top to bottom. Yeah, I I would echo everything you said there. But we've talked enough, Miami. People here want to hear about the ATP Challenger Tour. So with that in mind, let's recap the past week of events. We had two, as I mentioned at the top, one in Portugal, one in Spain, both of them on red clay. Let's start in Portugal because perhaps yep. no player in no player, excuse me, no person in the world will be more excited about the fact that uh, Zdenek Kolar, the 24 year old uh, Czech, earns, I believe, the first yes. challenger title of his career, David, yes. as yes. yeah, yes. as he knocks off. Uh, Gastau Elias six four or Elias excuse me six four seven five in the final for Kolar the number eight seed at the event he only loses one set on the week it was a three in the set first. to my guy Nuno Borges Mississippi State people who listen to this podcast know mm-hmm. we are the leading bandwaggers of the NDN never doubt Nuno I watched him win every <laughs> college match whenever he was like oh I I need to win for my team today okay I'm gonna do that now it was just. Again, the most underrated college tennis player of the 2010s, and he's like second all time in SEC wins. Crazy that he's that underrated. Uh, that's the only person who gets a set off. Kolar after that it was straight yeah. set wins over Meadler. Katsal. Dominate. yeah, a lot of. Trungalidi, yeah. and then Elias. I mean. Uh, David, I know I I saw the tweet. You're like, impossible to feel anything but good for Zanich Kolar, who you look now in his last 52 weeks, even with this challenger victory. He's 20 and 21, but this will help. He gets up to number uh, 223 in the rankings. at 15 off his career high of 208, which he reached back in 2018. Your thoughts on his run to the title here, David?
1: So, yeah, I wrote an article on him that came out yesterday. Uh, So it was very interesting. Something that stood out to me is that he, I believe it's since June 2016, he's been ranked between 200 and 300 in the world Um, since until now. That's a long time to be in that range. Um, Yes, you're right. The Borges match was the toughest one. He only won 46% of his second serve return points and 37% of his overall return points and only broke serve three times. And that's like only yes, because with the exception of the Borges match, he broke serve at least five times in every match, won at least 63% of second serve return points and at least uh, 46% of return points in general, um, which are really high numbers. Um, In the quarterfinals against Kakao, he won 62% of his return points, which is just ridiculous he returned served really well here's what he did so well this week he's always been known to be a consistent player um you know just hitting him from the baseline doesn't have how you know he not know he was he's not known for his power but what he did so well this week is and it, he had great depth on his shots he he had great placement he showed great variety i never you know i didn't know what i didn't know what shot was coming next from him you know he mixed it up really well and i and i loved how willing he was you know his, when he you know to come to the net and which made me realize he has 10 challenger doubles titles and 19 challenger doubles finals that's a lot and it really paid off here um, what do you think of anything i just said
0: no i, I would say you know for Kolar, he moves the ball really well around the court and the serve isn't huge, but he can hit all of the spots. He's just as likely to hit the kick serve out wide on the ad side as he is to hit the slice out wide on the deuce. And for him, his ability to open up space and take advantage of yeah. that space and use his footwork because he moves really well on the clay to, to find forehands. And that's clearly so the side he, he Exactly and that's clearly the side he likes to move the ball around with. Now I thought what won him this match was how much better he was on the backhand wing than Elias. The fact that he was able to create some depth, create some angle and space for himself on that backhand wing, able to change direction, go down the line in that final. Um, but, you know, the serves, it's not overwhelming with the power. No, his and we- that's where it's going to be a problem. Exactly. And his weapons, the forehand's really nice on uh, clay courts, but you could see it getting overwhelmed by pace on a hard court because it is a big backswing. And the backhand is fine. You know, it, it's not, it's more than just a placeholder, but it's not exceptional. It's not sensational, right? It, it's not going to yeah. win him matches. That being said, you know, for a guy who coming into this uh, event, you, you look for his career at the challenger level. Uh, you know he had played a hundred ten total events. He had made the quarterfinals, I believe, on twenty three different occasions. He had only though made one prior final back in twenty sixteen at the challenger level. You know he's only twenty four years old, and yeah, it, it, it that's worked. a hat
1: fan in in uh, tennis. Uh...
0: Talk, right? Before
1: you write him off. Well, a
0: 24 year old who hasn't won a challenger title, right? A 24 yeah. year old who has only made one final, and it is concerning that you look at his career record at the challenger level. He is, I believe, 115 and 110 overall. If you're pretty much 50 50 at the challenger level, it's going to be really difficult to advance inside the top 200, get yourself an opportunity to play ATP level matches, particularly when you're a guy in Denis Kolar who's not going to be gifted wild. Cards anytime soon. <laughs> that being said, I mean, look, it it clearly of. I, I was looking, you know, again, I mentioned the fact that thus far in his career at the challenger level, he's now made 23 quarterfinals. I believe uh, it's about a 50 50 split. How many of them have been on clay versus on hard courts? And, you know, you can see his game because it is well rounded, working across a couple of different surfaces. Yeah. I guess my thing is. I watched him play, and then I watched Tommy Munar play, who we'll talk about when we talk about the action in Marbella. And my problem with Kolar is it's just, yeah, when you know against a guy like Elias, when he has the opportunity to dictate and move the ball around the court, it's going to look really good when he has time on his hands. But I just – you know, sometimes the depth left a little bit to be asked for. His ball lands at the service line where Munar's – ball lands past the service line that serve sits up a little bit and it's just like if a guy like perfect. Munar can't get into the top 100 what's going to happen to Kolar moving forward I mean it, he looked phenomenal this week and I think the clay season's going to be really good to him but that is my concern is like it was good it wasn't spectacular
1: yeah so he's won 62 percent of his clay court matches in his career and uh 49 percent of his uh hard court matches. makes sense uh, so I mean, I agree that he's going to be, he's going to need to translate better to heart. I watched him play some, some of a match against uh Jersey uh, Rodionov in, uh, I believe it was Biella or B a, um, one of the BAs uh, this, uh, maybe a few weeks ago. And he, he, he should have won that match and he looked better on her than I've, you know, than I would have expected. Uh, at least in that one, you know, he hung with Rodionov, um, pretty well. Uh, do you know what? Do you remember which match? you remember what match I'm talking about?
0: Maybe I was going to say this was when this match was. It was earlier
1: this year. Um, yeah,
0: it was. I was going to say that was. It, I'm trying to think. It, yeah, but yes, vaguely, it, I, I remember what you're talking about. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, so uh, it was. Uh, I think B A three. He beat Maiden and then lost to Rudy Yeah Ina. B A three seven, seven six
0: in the, seven, in the third yep. nine seven
1: yep. third set tie. Um, yeah, it was. Um, so you know he. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I do think that yes, he's not gonna probably make, probably won't make the top one hundred, but he he can make uh, the top two hundred. He's right there. He was what I liked. You know what I liked about him in, in the final is that when Elias he went up a break five four, serving for the second set, he could have easily collapsed. You know he did collapse against Benjamin Bonzi in French Open qualifying. After having a bunch of match points. Um, But he never lost the game for the rest of the match, which showed a good mental mindset that maybe hadn't been there in the past. I think that, I think that you're right though, that the, the Jaime Munar comparison is a good one. um, And I don't, and I and I do kind of agree with you there, even though I don't think we should write them off yet.
0: No, I, I'm not saying to write them off. And by the way, I did some numbers when we get to the All Star section. The average age of the winner uh, of a challenger to uh, title this year, and I did the age as of them right now here in March, and I rounded down. So if you're 23 and nine months, I just called you 23. The average age of a winner is 23.8 years old, which again is right around where Kolar is right now, and like. Is This is a reality of the shifting of primes in ATP careers, Uh the added physicality of the game. It's no longer 18, 19, 20 when players are making their breakthrough, but 22, 23, 24. And no, yes, I mean, yes, to your point, my point. Is Kolar going to jump into the top 100? No, he doesn't have that sort of flash in his game. He doesn't have that overwhelming weapon, but he's going to be such a tough out at the challenger level over these next three months, and uh, particularly during the clay court season, and then, of course, as he continues to solidify himself in the top 250. Like, do you want to play Zdenek Kolar in round one of French Open qualifying if you're a seed? My answer is absolutely not, because if you're off even a little bit, he's going to take advantage of that fact and that's a credit to him but again like when we're looking at kolar in the context when i watch a zizu bergs player i watch a thomas mahawk play or you know brandon nakashima i just see a little bit more from them and i guess that's just i want to contextualize yeah, well, that for listeners on. is that fair
1: i would say kind of with nakashima I, I i agree with you on hard courts on clay courts i'm taking kolar
0: every day of the week <laughs>
1: it's uh, fair it's fair
0: but but, I I, but Nick, even
1: moving forward one, i'm saying in ter- wait what did you, what'd you well, say well even
0: sorry? for nakashima moving forward I'm, it's just like he's 19 20 years old on right her, yeah but even yeah. on clay courts i'm like let's uh-huh. see him let's see him in 2 years right like he's yeah, not so, 24 yet so give him 4 yeah. years oh, and yeah. maybe you change that's, your tune
1: yes i you know what that's a good point
0: i agree <laughs> I agree. um again yeah. Green. yeah, not not yeah. a surprise. But again, this is to take nothing away. Zdenikolar was spectacular this week in Portugal. He earns the first challenger title of his career. Now, you look at the opponent he played, Gastão Elias, who in this challenger final, first challenger final for him since 2017. With this result, he's up to number 323 in the rankings, which is far off his career high of number 57. But... For the thirty-year-old Elias, he beats Furnace, Molcan, Ortega, Lomido, uh Jason Sung, in early in the event. Pretty good week for the uh, for Elias this week.
1: Yeah, big forehand.
0: Yeah. Um, it, I, it's I, Surandola light. It's like if Surandola yeah. wasn't such a good athlete and wasn't a little bit better on the backhand wing, it would be gassed out, Elias.
1: Yeah, I thought in the final where he kind of went wrong is he kind of tried to get into too many like. He, cat and mouse exchanges instead of like just trying to hit through, you know. Like he would have a shortfall and he would try to like do like a drop shot or something and like when he really could have just put it away. Um and that kind of played into Cole strains But yeah, he had a great week. Um I, I was not totally expecting it. Um but he has the game in him. No. You know, when he's playing well, you know, he when he's not playing well it's not No,
0: I mean you look for him He was 29-10 in his last 52 The majority of that has come at the ITF level He also played a million matches During the quarantine period From March to August He must have played Nuno Borges 17 times. And like the fact that both of them are having success speaks to how high a level I suppose that was. And you look for Elias wins over Brooksby, wins over Van Richeven, wins over guys who have had success at the challenger level of late. He's a former top 60 player in the world. Like it's not as consistent as it once was. He's clearly lost a half step from three, four, five years ago, but it can still look really good, particularly on a clay court when he's afforded that extra bit of time but yeah I although mean, he
1: had that random run in orlando a couple of, you remember that it's that true but
0: one that's what he's one good one for one. right is he'll do yeah. that where he just clicks and that forehand's yeah. landing and no i i would agree with you yeah again it was a great result for him yeah i mentioned it earlier trungoliti evan Furness, who was a qualifier this week were your other semi-finalists yeah. it was kitzau Molkan brancaccio and sizzling in the quarter Yeah, I was going to say, your thoughts on the rest of the week's action, uh, David, in Portugal.
1: Yeah, I I was kind of, I kind of was at the beginning of the week, wanted to see how Evan Furness did. Um, Even though he made the semifinals, I'm still not convinced. I don't (laughs) think he has, which is not what I was expecting at the beginning of the week. If if you would have told me, I would say, oh yeah, he's going to be, he can play on clay, but like, there's, I don't think there's enough power there. And, you know, he did kind of get a nice draw after the first round. Kouakad in the first round was tough. Um, he almost blew that. I believe he was up four on the third set, and then he went down 6-5. But Benadio is kind of not playing nearly as near his best tennis now. Brancaccio in the quarterfinals, that's pretty... Light, yeah, that's not horrible. He went three sets in every match until he lost in straights to Elias, uh, Elias in the uh, semifinals. I don't think there's enough power there for him to long term make it on Clay at the challenger level.
0: So for the last fifty-two weeks, Furnace forty-three and nine. So much of that success has come on the future circuit. Now he's eleven and twenty-five thus far in his career in challenger level matches. He's only twenty-two years old, currently ranked three thirty-one in the world. The big number that jumps out when I'm looking at his stats in challenger level matches. He's only winning 46.8% of his second serve points. He's only breaking serve 19% of the time. A lot of that does come down to size. Like the big kick serve Mm -hmm. gets over his head or his second serve floats and someone's able to hit a big first ball and break him. And I mean, look, size is unfortunately a, a gateway into the top ranks, the upper echelon of men's professional tennis. That being said, Evan Furness has proven it at the future circuit. I'm still in the wait-and-see phase, right? Because you look for him yeah. this year. You know, Quimper, he wins. He uh, doesn't lose first round, either one there. he has. He's only lost one first-round match at the— cha- or I guess now two first-round matches when he lost this week to Ernesto Escobedo. But, like, you know, he's he's finding his way. He's getting better, and he's yeah. only 22. So, like, if Sebastian Baez can do it, Baez, but why can't Furness?
1: I— I just don't see this.
0: Yeah, that's actually that not high. true well, at well. all. <laughs> I liked,
1: well I like, you know, I liked how he was on indoor hard better cuz he got a little more pop. But like mm-hmm. for instance against Elias, he won 53% of his first of his first serve points and 47% of his second serve points. That's not going to cut it. Like, no, you're right. 53% of your first serve points. You know, and I I know that's only one match, but like in you know in general, he's not winning that high percent of his first serve points. Again even against like um, against a broncaccio which he won the match, he only won fifty seven percent of his first serve points. Um so for me, I just you know Clay slows things down, I know, and it's harder to hold serve, but I like his game on indoor hard better where he can get a little more pop, but I still just don't see a ceiling that high
0: Yeah. I've as always I have nothing to disagree with you there, David. So With that in mind, (laughs) let's move on to the action in Marbella, Spain. Don't think we're going to spend quite as long on this event because, you know, we we say it all the time here on this podcast. Whenever Haomi Munar is entered into a challenger event, pencil him into the semifinals. You can probably pencil him even further than that. And, of course, here this week, he does make the final in Marbella where, unfortunately, he, he takes the first set, was looking so good, but runs into a buzzsaw. In Gianluca Magere, the 26-year-old Italian player earning, I believe, the 4th challenger title of his career as he knocks off Moonar 2663624 Jean-Luc Mignere who some of you may be like why is that name familiar he knocked off Ryan Harrison and Sam Query to make the quarterfinals of Delray Beach to start the season was a quarterfinalist in Zadar last week here gets wins over Sanchez Jovier uh, Emer Marcora and Giannesi before getting the win over Moonar you look now for Jean-Luc Magier. With the result, he is up to number 91 in the ATP rankings. That's 14 off his career high of 77, which he hit at the start of last season. 14 and 16 in his last 52 weeks of play, but that also includes him trying to qualify for the uh, Cincinnati Masters, try to qualify for the Rome Masters. Main draws at the U.S. Open and the French Open, tries to qualify at the Paris Masters. You know, he plays Australian Open this year. He plays a couple of ATP events in Buenos Aires, Santiago, Cordoba. Mm -hmm. He's trying to make the transition to the ATP level that he struggled at that level, but then comes down to the challenger level and gets a victory. That's very confirming for Majir, who, with all due respect, unlike Kolar, you watch his forehand for three seconds and you're like, yep, that's going to work. Yep, that too.
1: Yeah, so – I think that maybe his results are a little deceiving, at uh, re- least recently. Um, so during the Golden Swing, his first loss was in three sets to Francisco Cerundolo. Sarundolo, that was an even match that could have went either way. It was really close. Majer played really well um, in the second round. I mean, I'm sorry, in uh, the Argentina Open, he made the second round beating Caruso and having a tight straight set loss to Andujar. In Chile, he had a tight three-set loss to Correa, who are, you know, all these guys are good clay quarters. Um, in uh, Zadari made the quarterfinals, and then he won this tournament. And what made this tournament actually so impressive was that he came back from a set down in all three of his last, in the quarterfinals, and the semifinals, and the final. Um, like you said, his forehand is awesome. Um, his first serve is next uh so much spin uh it really I think his best surface is definitely clay um and then this week this week uh he beat Kakushkin yesterday you know, play Casper Root tomorrow. I'm not thinking that Root's a lock in that one. I think that Majer is right is going to be right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Casper Root's been so good on the dirt of late, but you talk about for Jean-Luc Majer, uh, who, you know, made the final uh, at, in Rio de Janeiro in 2020. He lost to Guerin in that final, but knocked off Did both— he beat-
1: Team in that event, and,
0: right? And guess who else he beat? Casper Ruud 7-6, 7-5 although I, I believe Ruud had like won a title the week before or went on to win a title the next week and so, you know, again, I, that match was 6-5. and five. I think it's going to be a toss-up but look, for Jean-Luc Magier, 60 win per, uh, 61% win percentage on clay. He's 242 and 155 comparatively. He's won 50% of his matches on gray, uh, grass 46% on hard courts where he's 50 and 58. Like, he's made an ATP final. He's won challenger events on clay. He is going to be in the mix. You talk about it. Three set losses to Coria, to Serendolo, to Andohar. Those are all players. Come clay court season, you should expect to win first-round matches to make yeah. that quarterfinal at the 250 level. He's one of those players because, as you mentioned, the serve, the forehand, yeah. it creates opportunities. And Munar... I freaking love Munar's game. Like, I want him to be a top 50 player so badly because he moves the ball around the court so well. I actually do think his depth of ground stroke gets better and better with each passing season, uh, each passing match. And just physically, he is such a tough out. But Majer was like, you know what? I'm just going to start hitting my forehand big. I'm going to start yeah. being more aggressive in sets two and three. And he had the weapon that Munar didn't. And like uh, we say this all the time, to beat Munar on clay is the ultimate litmus test. Majir was able to do it. He's a top 100 guy, like no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. And in, in this Pat in Marbella, uh, he, he won 69% of his first serve points in every match. Yeah. It's um, nuts. And so- And so, like, against – he just – here's the deal about Munar is that, like, a guy like 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 Munar for as good as he can hit through those defenses that a lot of challenger guys can't.
0: Yeah. Um, No, I would – I agree. Like, yeah, it's – and it's like – I just – I really like – I liked his movement. I liked the way he hit on the slide. I liked his ability to turn defense into offense. I just liked how he played.
1: Yeah. um, And – You know, he could, he never quit. And I mean, like we, like I said, he, last three matches, he was down a set in all of them. And he could have easily said, this is just a challenger. I'm playing, you you know, who cares? But he always, he fought back. And you know what? It's going to pay off. It's going to pay off in
0: the long run for him. And and the best players, after they win a challenger and they have an event the next week, will go and win a match in that next event. And that's exactly what Major did uh, as he knocked off Kakushkin. Now, (laughs)
1: Though I mean yeah, I, I I was watching it yesterday
0: uh, yeah but but it's a match he should win and he yes. does and that's the difference between being top one hundred and not by the way credit to Munar who did the exact same thing against Laxinen and four Munar wins over Ofner, Capriva and Daniel as well as via Martinez <clears throat> excuse me before. Losing that match to Maj. You look for Munar now in his last fifty two weeks. Thirty seven and fourteen he's won, I believe uh, are right, let's see, in since the restart, he has made five challenger finals all on clay. He's won two of them. Like Get ready for him. Currently ranked number ninety-five. If I told you, let's let's make a bet. Over under, he's going to be ranked number six. No, 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 number seventy in the world come the end of the clay season. Over under seventy, David.
1: Uh, it's tough because of the rankings. It's so hard to move up. I'll say over. I'll take the Just under. Because, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Just because like in that Maje match, once he plays at the ATP level, there's a lot of guys that can hit right there on
0: Yeah, it's fair, but you look for Munar in his career at the ATP level on clay, and, you know, it's not the biggest sample size for him, and of course, you know, I think 2019 was when he had his big breakthrough, but 26 and 28 in his career in clay court matches, you narrow that down to just 2019, 2020, uh, he becomes, let's see, 16 and 17, plus 3 and 3, so 19 and 20 since the 2019 season, and you do feel like, though, if he had a 2020, those numbers would be boosted, that he's still only 23 years old and he's at 50% through 40 matches. I think that does bode well in his career. I mean, and saying Jami Munar is going to have success on clay court, by the way, is it's, far from a hot take.
1: And you know what I love about him is that he shows – it's kind of why I like someone like Kimmer Copenhagen's too, because he shows up every match. He's ready to grind. He's ready to bash. this Tormo, uh, who, well, this is a side tangent with the match. I was going to talk about the match with Arani, but I'll keep it on uh, Munar. Um, Munar is just going to show up every match. He's going to grind. He's not going to make it easy. And I really respect that. And you know what? He might not, I don't, like I said, I don't think he's going to be top 70 in the world by the end of the Clay Court season, but I really respect him and his game, and I wish him nothing but the best.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Cracked Rackets is nothing if not a place for us to embrace our impulses, so please. <laughs> Two minutes, Ceribas Tormo versus Ronnie, battle of the Seras go.
1: Yeah, so here's the here's the deal with that one is I expected Sariba's Tormo to win. Obviously it's a change in surface, the go is high altitude. But my biggest takeaway from the match is that Ronnie's just a more dynamic player. You know, <laughs> border game. Um and I think that was on display yesterday.
0: Yeah that's a pretty good synopsis. I was expecting at least like 2 minutes.
1: No oh, no, it was just I was just going on like a little tangent. Oh, okay. Just a little-
0: that's fair. That's fair. Well, I called um, for a sound effect in the edits from Westoff. I hope he did put in a sound effect. If it was only 20 seconds, though, and he didn't, I can understand why. Um, no, I would agree. I was surprised. I, I it, What was interesting, though, is there was no physical wear on Cerebe's turmoil. I actually don't know if she ever gets tired. Like, because she's played yeah. so much tennis of late. And I think moving forward, like, that's probably the takeaway. It's like, yeah, I lost five and five, but. I held up pretty well physically, and this is just the start of the clay court season.
1: And I'll tell you what, Arani, if she can play like that, she has a good uh, good chance to win the title. And I know as crazy as that sounds,
0: I truly believe
1: that. Um, I think that, you know, next next up is today against Bolsova. Of course, by the time this podcast is going to come out, she's going to lose. But <laughs> I, I think that she has a very manageable draw of well besides zadonec if she can get past zadonec in the quarterfinals she can win this thing um, but as a lot of tennis people know you know people who follow tennis know zadonek on clay is gonna be very tough and I just want to also shout out from that tournament sorry for that but, um, is or Os- Serrano is gonna is be, be making her name soon um she, she beat Vickery, and she's into the second round against Martin Nikova, and she's a good clay court, you know, young, rising player. I remember I wrote it. She made her initial breakthrough, I believe, in 2019 at this tournament, and I, I wrote an article about her. She's she's a good, young clay court
0: hmm No, I, I would agree, uh, yeah, with with all of that. Um, you know, just to round out the thoughts on uh, Merbea before we move on. Yes. Yeah. sorry. Your, no, 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 no. I, again, Cracked Rackets is nothing but a place for us to embrace our impulses. Your winners uh, are your semifinalists were Mario Velia Vill- 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 martinez and Alessandro Gianessi, quarterfinalists Taro Daniel, Roberto Markorak, Martin Klizan, Nikola Miljovic, who had won a Challenger title the week before, so great for him to follow that up with a semifinal, Your uh, with a quarterfinal, excuse me. Your thoughts, David, on the rest of the action in Marbella?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, first off, I think on our last podcast, we said that Moonar was probably, the, or at least I said, Moonar was the favorite. Magar was the second favorite. And I didn't turn out totally that way, but I'm kind
0: of. <laughs> hey, great shot to you. No, <laughs> everyone, every time you get one right, you deserve a pat on the back, always, because um, we all get too many of them wrong.
1: Yes, and anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I'm wrong <laughs> extremely often. <laughs> Um, I would say that it's nice to see Vieira playing well again. He kind of he didn't have the greatest Golden Swing. He went uh, two and three in the Golden Swing, which for Clay Quarter of his quality is not good. Um, I would say though that he, you know, it's to see him in the quarterfinals. I mean, in the semifinals against Munar and really play a very competitive straight set match. It was seven six seven five. Um, that. That has served him well in this next week, where he now qualified and won his first round match against Zapata um, in Marbella, the ATP 250. It's all, so confusing nowadays with the, uh, you know, BAA 4, BAA 3, this one, Santiago Challenger, Santiago 250. But it's nice that they're having these little bubbles where you can play, you know, multiple tournaments um, in a row. But yeah, so good for BA. Uh, so I guess that's my main uh, takeaway and I from this no, tournament.
0: I think that's a great point. The idea of creating bubbles is one that is popular amongst players, amongst followers of the sport, amongst journalists, amongst physicians. Um, yeah, uh, and shout out to Marbella to go seamlessly from the Challenger to the 250. Uh, it's a credit to, again, the work they put in into hosting these events. That's last week's Challenger action to – Quickly run through what we have this week on hand. Two challengers that have both, uh, I believe, started their round of 16s. We'll start with the action in Croatia. That uh, event, of course, being played on the clay as well. Thus far, mm-hmm. advancing to the quarterfinal is number 5 seed Danilo Petrovic. Num- uh, Andrea Colarini, who knocked off three seed Sebastian Ofer, Get then... Result. Yeah, and then knocked off Uldzimir Ignatic to make the uh, round of 16 or the quarterfinals. Then Alex Vukic, much needed win mm-hmm. for the former Illini All American wins over Polichek and Copahans to advance to the quarterfinals. Still in play, Kasper Zuku got a withdrawal, retirement from number one seed Pedro Sosa. He's going to take on Sarah Dusic. You've also got Kolar versus Kokonakis, Kavcic versus Emer, Rola well, versus Kajic. Adjik- Oh, Kavchic just won, so Wait, there you a go. Pretty, uh, dramatic pretty dramatic match, match, I believe. Yes. And then Basic versus Hassa, Rola versus Adjakovic. Your thoughts on the action in split this week, uh, David?
1: Yeah. So as I just said, it's really nice to see Colorini get a couple wins under his belt. He had lost five in a row in nine of his past ten oh. matches. So it's nice. You know, and almost all of those were on clay, too. So... That was kind of shocking, but at the same time, it's nice. You know, he beat Opener is a good win in the first round. And then he came back and beat uh, Ignatik today, which, you know, Ignatik's not the best clay quarter, but that's still a good win. Um, so good for him. That's, uh, that's so good for him. Uh, Robin Hasse had a great win yesterday over Pullman's. Pullman's played really well in that match. Of course the stream cut out right before the third set tie break. Uh but Hase picked up a really good win there. Um and I think he's gonna be a big contender this week, uh, for sure. Um and yeah, now that uh Zuc beat you know that Pedro Seuss is at the one seeds out, it's kind of anyone's tournament now that the two seed Pullman's is out, even though Hase, you know, is a really good player who beat him. Um so we'll see.
0: Yeah. now it's a really mainstream thing. The only things I would add, you know, I'm on the Kasper Zouk bandwagon, but you know, Tenassi Kokonakis has proven when healthy, Mm -hmm. he's not just a top 100. He might even be a top 50 guy. And it's just, is he healthy? Can he do it multiple weeks in a row? Three-set win over Horansky is a fantastic start. But, you know, now he's going to have the toughest physical out you can have in Zdenek Kolar, yeah. And so that is a match absolutely uh, to circle on your calendar. But, you know, top to bottom, again, if you're a college tennis fan, former Ohio State Buckeye NCAA singles champion Blaze Rola, Alex Vukic in the draw, there's just a lot of things to like about the yeah. action in Croatia.
1: And shout out to Kolar, um, who played a great match yesterday. I don't, yeah, you know, Sintiyan retired five zero down in the second. That's bad form. Sorry. Um yeah, it But is. Kolar Kolar won eighty percent of his first serve points and eighty three percent of his second serve points. Um, serving eighty one percent first serve percentage. That's really good stuff. Um, and he broke Sintiyan five times. So great, you know, no letdown at all, which is awesome to see. And yeah, Kokanakis Kolar could be the match of the tournament.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well, that's your action going on in Croatia. Let's move on to the action happening once again this week in Portugal, part two. Two quarterfinalists already threw in the draw. Nuno Borges, who knocked off two-seed Enzo Kakoud, then knocks off Raul Brancaccio, 6-4, 4, 6, 6 3. He's going to take on Manuel Guinard, who was a 6-4, one winner today over Hugo Grignier. You look elsewhere in the draw. Uh, Ernesto Escobedo fell today to Dimitar Kuzmanov in the round of 16. Kuzmanov, a 2-2 two two victory. Gastel Elias continues his success, win over Trungalidi, and then a win over March challenger winner, Gamino Valero, 6-1, 6-3, to advance to the quarterfinals. Now Impressive. The top. Very, Very impressive. Very impressive. Now, on the top half of the draw, you've got Moroni versus Katov, talented young Adrian uh, Andreev, taking on mm-hmm. Kachin. You've got Katsau versus Misha Zirev, Oliveira versus number one seed, Oscar Ota. David, what are you going to be watching for most closely this week? in Portugal
1: yeah so um good first off it's nice and you'll be happy to hear this it's nice to see Nuno Borges in the quarterfinals he got <laughs> he got a very tough draw last week and you can tell that he was informed with how close he played Kolar um well it's funny try-
0: I will just say this I know he's also nursing an injury right now um oh, and really? yeah and it's it, it's relating to his serve he can't serve full speed and yet that forehand is just special it really mm-hmm. is
1: yeah. And he hits with such great depth and consistency yeah. too. Um, so I'll be looking, you know, see how he does. Weenard is a very winnable quarterfinal match. Um, and then, yeah, it should be a battle of Titans between, uh, Elias and Kuzminov. Both of them are playing great clay court tennis. Um, they're the past two weeks. One of them has been in the challenger final, you know, each of the past two weeks, uh, Kuzminov and Zadar, he really should have won that match. Um, against Mil- Milojevic um Oscar Ate, let's not uh count him out he's a he's the number one seed and he's a very solid clay court player um and then yeah Adrian Andrew the first time that he really uh jumped onto the stage was at least in my eyes I took notice of him during the pandemic last year when he played some very good exhibition matches and he you know, beat saying yesterday, uh, winnable match against Ka- Kachin. Um, and then he, last thing, sorry, um, Maroney, he, you never know with him. He defends so well, and it just depends if his back one handed backhand holds up, which some weeks it just doesn't hold up at all. But some weeks he's really impressive with, you know, his ability to defend from that side. Um, he, had a very impressive first round straight set win over mulkin which makes me believe that he's locked in this week. And so he's going to be a problem, I think. And KOTA is a tough, it's not a tough second round match for him.
0: No, as always, you never have to apologize uh, when you uh, inform our listeners of what's going on. Yeah, I would echo all of that. And again, it should be a really fun week of action across the ATP Challenger Tour. With that in mind... Let's talk about the final thing we came here to do today. Name our all-stars for the month of March on the ATP Challenge. After all tour. that,
1: I feel like
0: uh... – Yeah, it was a long build. <laughs> It was a yeah. long build. Yeah, just to get it all set up. <laughs> Again, people want to know what's going on. But the, the reason why we save it until the end is because, the you know, we've talked about a lot of these names over the course of the month. And so don't want to repeat ourselves too often. However, given the long build up West Off, give me some all-star music sound effect. And let's rock and roll. All right, David, I made it a, a conscious decision despite the title editor-in-chief to not look at your article before we publish it here at Crack Rackets so as to not know the names you are going to be naming here uh, in – uh, on your all-star team again it's going to resemble an NBA all-star team five names of course I cheated uh, because that's just what I do uh, but the the top five players whether it be because they won titles whether it be breakthrough performances whatever arbitrary you know there's no set criteria your all-stars are your all-stars with that in mind David is it safe to say Zizou Berg's the captain and first all-star selection on your team because two challenger titles in the month of March the one of only two players on the challenger tour this season to win multiple titles unequivocal pick right
1: yeah he was number one it was like that he was the only one that was like easy for me like to put on the list just because there were so many events this week that i mean this month that like it was kind of hard to pick and choose but for
0: yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah, I mean, 24-6 and six in his last 52 months. You look in the month of March specifically here uh, for Zizou Bergs. He was exceptional in the challenge yeah. level. He was, and we see here, I don't want to be incorrect, he was 15-1. and one, His one loss coming to Kasper Zouk in a three-set match after he won the title in St. Petersburg the week before. Of course, he got a first-round win in St. Petersburg, and then to follow that up with the win in uh, uh, the win last week or two weeks ago whenever it was it's wins over Chelik Bellic, Capriva uh, uh-huh. Greg Barbaire who are all people I considered on my list here for the all-stars I mean he's up to number 265 in the world a new career high justifiably this is a guy on the rise and at 20 21 years old doesn't turn 22 till June like you have to love it. Yeah, and it was a big
1: jump for him this month. So he started off at world number 435. Now he's, like you said, up to 265. His return of serve was on point. Uh, No opponent um, in St. Petersburg for for his first challenger was able to win more than 50% of his second serve points against Berg's return. Um, And in the final against Barrera in the second one, uh, he was able to hold him to 50% of second first serves first serves one and broke barriers a serve seven times um so really his return was great the ball pops off his racket when you see him he's explosive you know like in terms of like when he hits a forehand it's you know exploding off his racket um so I'm very impressed with him I you know he had that run in Antwerp last year, but I I didn't see this coming. Um, but like we talked about last week, we'll see what happens on Clyde.
0: Yeah, I mean, the numbers. He made 72% of his first serves during the month, one seventy 74% of his first serve points held the 84% of the time, which would be good for, you know, that's about equivalent to – It's not quite Medvedev, who's a tier below Medvedev. I can go look right now on the Tennis Abstract Stats leaderboard. The point being, that's really, really good. He broke serve 39% of the time. That's better than Prime Djokovic or Prime Nadal. Now, again, it's at challenger level, but uh, it speaks to he was playing high percentage tennis. The numbers reflect it. His record reflects it. He was just better than everyone Mm during the month of March, and we talked about him so much last week. So, yeah, that's your captain. Now things get interesting. Who is your second pick, David? And just quickly, so people know, here are your Challenger title winners in March. Bergs has two. That's why he's the captain. Your other titles, Mahak, Gamino Valero, Sebastian Baez, Tirinev, Seppi, Fratangelo, Masur, Stricker, Miljevic, Majir, and Kolar. I mentioned it earlier, the average age of a winner on the Challenger Tour this season, 23.8 years old. With that in mind, David, your second pick
1: okay so do you want me to just go right down my list
0: or no, just, okay yeah, let's go one by one give me your next okay. pick
1: so my next one might be a little bit of a surprise uh <laughs> i was feeling a little uh go off the beaten path with this one tiranab is my next one and i'll tell you why give me the case I, I loved how he served this week and i just felt like for him to have that type of serving week i wanted to put him on the list he dropped well first off he dropped only one set all week he won at least so he won st so he won st petersburg too um so birds won st petersburg one he won st petersburg too he in st petersburg too he won at least 78 percent of his first serve points in every match and in every match but one he won over 80 percent of his first serve points um he served double digit aces in every match but one over the course of the week um he, he was broken three times all week all week he was broken three times and wasn't broken at all in the semifinal or the final um in the final against zook uh he won every first serve he put in play and did not double fault at all um and then he had a nice little rise up the rankings from 407 to 295
0: yeah that's uh that's pretty nice uh yeah like i, I... I, I, that's a that's a solid case. Now, he was on my short list, but, you know, for me, there are just a couple of guys who either followed up their Challenger title. So, like, I mean, I guess we can just get into the entire list. That's fair. Uh, Tiranev's okay. a good selection. I'll get into my next pick now. We can just go back and forth. Uh, I went with Sebastian Baez next because he, okay. is now, he was on my list. Yeah, he's 10-0 and 0 in his 10 Challenger matches he's played in 2021, two titles between two clay court events. He's beaten— Holger Rune, Francisco Cerundolo, Andre Martin, uh, Juan Pablo Verias, uh, Thomas barrios Vera—like these are all the players. Daniel Galan, uh, like he has been the best of the best mm-hmm. ATP Challenger Tour players on clay. He's an all-star. He's him and Berb yeah. are the only two two title winners in 2021. He just belongs on this list. Fair, yeah. And so up to he, new uh, career uh, high of number two sixteen.
1: So he, uh, every match in the tournament saw Bayez's Baez, opponent win under 60% of their first serve points and below 55% of their second serve points. I also want to point out that this was a tough week for Baez on a personal, emotional level. Um, Josh Macellis of the ATP did a great uh, piece on him. Um, he had uh, one of his former coach, uh, Jorge Chino Hiroshi died in January and was living in Santiago when he passed. Um, so... After the match, uh, after the final, uh, Bye said, "This trophy and this great tribute is dedicated to Chino, who is watching from above." Um, so it was, you know, emotional for him, uh, and he was able to, you know, stay the course and get it done. So good for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's breaking serve, David, forty-two percent of the time. Like- uh-huh. That's historic. That's freaking nuts at the challenger level. He's just a rock. Um yeah. and yeah, no, I, I agree. It um just twenty years old, not your you know, five foot seven on his best days and just moves the ball around so well, such a tough out. He's one of my all stars. I also have Dom Stricker on the list just yes, because i too. yeah, because for any eighteen year old to run through a draw the way he did to win over eighty percent of his first serve points for the week, like that's just nuts. And so, he's my inclusion. Why'd you have him?
1: Um, I had him because of his serve. You know, despite only being 5'11", I believe, he's only 5'11". First serve is dominant. Um, There was only one match where he won under 80% of his first serve points. um, And he won in every match over 75% of his first serve points. Um, Tough Road, Van Rijven, Masur, Suhita... um, and I also like, and I'm also excited to see him on the clay. You know, as we talked about, he's a former Roland Garris junior title winner for both singles and doubles. Um, and he's up from uh, 1,018 to 425 currently. Um, when well, he was at 1,018 at the start of the month.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. And I mean, I, I'm a sucker for any former recent junior slam champion, immediately transitioning to the pros and having challenger level success. Um, and that's what he did. Like, W- passing with flying colors wins a challenger title in what What was his second or like third ever challenger level event yeah. uh that's freaking nuts and so stricker yeah. and unequivocal are all-star all right we have four of your names that means there's only one to go i've given you three of mine
1: uh-huh you must have okay i think i have I two players I
0: ti- well i have two players tied for my i know fourth your and next spots. i already know it all right name them for me
1: it's gonna be Masora and M- M- Machak.
0: So for my second spot or my second to final spot, my fourth spot, I'm either going to go with Daniel Masur or Nikola Miljovic, who both won challenger titles and followed them up with quarterfinals during the month. And it's like. Milojevic, huh? Yeah, I mean, they both deserve it. They were both two of the best players at the challenger level in the month of March. And do I think either of them are going to be top 50 players someday, blowing people away, making these big ATP runs? No, I don't. But they're the sort of litmus test where you're like, how good is the level of challenger tennis right now? Look at guys like Daniel Masur and Nikola Milovic yeah. who are just so freaking good at tennis and yet can't get out of the challenger level. Like, it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I know. And Masur was just, you know, he was so tough from the baseline. Stellar. And in, in Stellar. Yeah. He he really had a tough road with Suhita Stakovsky indoors. Marchenko against Marchenko that was probably his match of the tournament. He won 6 six three in uh, the semifinals, winning seventy six percent of his first serve points and holding a good server in Marchenko to under forty percent of his second serve points won. Um, and I just when you watch and then in the final um, against Bockinger, he could have easily you know went away when he lost a close second set tiebreak for one set all um and he didn't and he let and he uh also gave up a break lead in the third set but he was able to stay the course he broke back five times in that match um and he he thoroughly deserved his challenger title
0: yeah first one of his career i believe no i it, it's a good case uh to make again i probably lean Massure over i mean masseur over miljovic they're they're both good picks because of their consistency. I'm struggling between the two. I also want – the problem is I would pick both, but I kind of want to give a spot to either Forjacek or Sebastian Ofner, who both made a couple of quarterfinals during the month. I think, for, oh, for, I think Forjacek made three quarterfinals or maybe two quarterfinals in a round of 16. Yeah, that's what it was. So I'm going to give him my final spot just because, again, I want to that token young player who's— I was
1: not expecting that.
0: Well, he's a token young player on the rise who's getting better and better, right? 19 and 16 in his last 52 weeks, but you look 2021 specific. He's 13 and 9. The majority of those matches have come at the challenger level his last— three challengers he's gone uh quarterfinals round of 16 quarterfinals that's a guy on the rise and that's why he's my yeah. sneaky bench you know he's my we're a losing team this season but we're going to play a bunch we're going to play Weissman a bunch of minutes just to see what we have that's Jonas check for me right now yeah
1: okay and I I I think his big breakthrough is going to come soon um yeah, I agree I, he's just a rock think-
0: he's really good
1: yeah, no, he is really good. Um, he's a very solid player.
0: And I needed to uh, get a young Czech I, guy I, I, in I there. Felt... Mahak is too obvious. He was an all-star last month. I got to give four of you Czech a shout.
1: Yeah, you, I I just was expecting you know all winners. Uh, that's how I, <laughs> I maybe I shouldn't have looked at it that way. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's but, that's the most mainstream opinion you've had thus far, David.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I can be mainstream when I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that I was going off the beaten path with Turenev, but. I, I, okay. Uh, you know what? I, I, I can see you. I can see your point. Yeah. Should he be an honorable mention? Of course.
0: Like, there were guys who were better than him. He's my all star because, again, it's my criteria. Breakthrough is probably a better word than all star, but he just deserved a shout in this conversation because he was one of the notable players of March yeah. at the challenger level.
1: And if you beat Barrera in, in, uh, Barrera in
0: his, exactly, in
1: quarter, I think it was a quarterfinal in Lille. uh, mm-hmm. He might have went to the final, You know, he might have won that tournament for all we know. It was yes, you know, small margins again. Keep yeah. saying small margins in tennis. No Third uh, year, uh, you know, Yeah. Have,
0: yeah. A hundred percent. Well, with that in mind, did we name your fifth all star? I know you again. You've got yes. Berg, Stricker, Bayez. Give me run me through your team again.
1: Um, uh, Bergs, Tyrnav, Stricker, Massor, Bayez.
0: That's a good team. I like that roster. Berg, Stricker, Bayez. I'm going to go Masur over Miljevic, and I'm going to stick with Forgecek. Um, But, again, was another really, really fun uh, month of March. And the good news is the Challenger tennis continues from here. A bunch of clay court action. We've got the green clay starting here yeah, in the United States. Yeah, we're going to get Orlando. I think we get Sarasota on the schedule as well. I believe one Tallah- other. Yeah, Tallahassee is the other one I'm missing. Um should be a really fun stretch in April, and of course, hopefully we will be back every week. Again, some fun things planned for the Challenger Pods moving forward. Uh but you know, week in, week out, the Challenger Tour continues to deliver excellent tennis. It's not just happening in the highlight events, folks. Go watch Challenger tennis. You can literally watch every match for free at livestream.com/slash ATP. I don't know why you wouldn't, yeah. if you're a tennis fan, if you're someone listening to this podcast. Of course, something you also can all do for free uh, is read David's work wherever Uh-oh. it appears in various outlets. And David, for our listeners out there, can you remind them where they can find everything, as well as what you've got coming down the pipeline?
1: Yeah. So I just wrote. I spent. I worked very hard, and I wrote on a, a piece on Kolar yesterday, um, mm-hmm. which was released on Last Word on Tennis. The Challenger All-Stars article should be out soon. Which It'll be I, out
0: with this podcast. They're coming this, out simultaneously. <laughs> Westhoff's prepping it as I'm talking to you.
1: Awesome. And so that's that's what's going on there. I'm sure, you know, whenever I think of yeah, you know, it's a, it's all just like when I think of something that I'm <laughs> about, which most people might not be passionate about. I don't care. I just like, I, I like writing anyway. So um, that, that's what's going on with me. Um, and I just appreciate that you that you, you give me the platform to talk about this stuff. It's so much, I think this is really, like, like Alex said, it's good stuff, and so give it a shot. Yeah,
0: that's. I, I agree. That's why we talk about it every week here at Crack Rackets, because the tennis is truly spectacular. Uh, but with that in mind, David, thank you, as always, for taking the time to chat. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks. Hope all of you enjoyed today's podcast with Crash Rackets contributor David Gertler. A huge thank you as always to David for taking the time to chat. We're able to cover such great depths when we talk about the ATP Challenger Tour whenever we have David on. It's a testament to, again, his commitment to following the sport, his commitment to promoting that level of the game. Hopefully all of you enjoyed our conversation. We tend to always go over the hour mark, but that's because we're having so much fun. And why stop the mics when the mics are hot? Of course, we've had a ton of great conversations here at Cracked Rackets of Late. If you've missed any of the day-in, day-out action going on on tour, you can find it all on our mini-break podcast feed. You want to hear more about the first third of the season now that that initial hardcourt wave is in the books, you can check out the GSP I did yesterday with Tennis Abstracts' Jeff Sackman. Of course, we've got our College Tennis Weekly Review coming up on tomorrow's GSP. Cracked Interviews-wise, we're talking to members of the University of Illinois men's tennis Team this week so you can find all of those podcasts all of our content on our website cracked rackets.com like rate subscribe review to this podcast the gsp cracked interviews podcast and all of our shows as always if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max fliegner and daniel stuff for the of it, any job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at FanDuel and at Turner grip Just a reminder fanDuel.com slash cracked to take advantage of their limited time offer for the Masters. But with that in mind, for our wonderful guests, David Gertler, our super producers Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Turner grip and FanDuel, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. See you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.